Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike and Laurent. It's Friday, July 2nd. In this episode, we will discuss England winning the Battle of Britain again, 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 and again. Uh, the quarterfinals matchups for the Euro, which we've been covering all summer. But Mike, give us an update on the bracket challenge. Is anyone left? Oh, plenty of people are left. It's funny. Uh, I, I think we have a, a breakdown of uh, there's roughly 40 entries. Uh, 12 people had France. The most people, uh, most team picked. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. The second most team picked. Had, uh, there's 10 people with, with France. 12 people have Italy. Oh, so they're uh, still hanging on. So they're still hanging on. That we'll talk about uh, a big, big matchup between Belgium and Italy this weekend. Um, but yes, we have uh, some interesting developments from the quarterfinal or the round of sixteen. If if, uh, if Belgium beats Italy, are is we just is anyone going to win? Is really the question. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to finish in the top three. I guarantee it. If that's the case, because I have Belgium winning. But uh, in that event, we'll just I, I'm not eligible to win the prizes. Right? No, I think so, there's a point system. It'll just go down. There's a point system, yeah. and and so everybody can see it on RunYourPool.com, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, whoever gets first, second, and third is going to be getting these World Soccer Shop gift cards. Um, but right now, uh, my buddy Kenny is riding high on number one, and he's got Belgium, so he's going against the grain. Um, but my other pal, who my neighbor down here in Florida, Taylor, who is English, I saw him earlier today or yesterday, uh, and he was he's an Arsenal supporter, and he was very, very uh, happy to have seen Harry Kane score a goal, I think probably for the first time, I guess probably since the 2018 World Cup. He's got the most possible points left, and he's got Spain winning it all. Mm. So it's an interesting dynamic. Again, uh, if you're in the group, uh, it's on runyourpool.com. You can see a whole bunch of different ways uh, this breaks out. You can see who's got what, how many teams. I, um, I think I shared my photo of my picks in the oh, group. it's horrible. It is a bloodbath. It's it's. It's literally worse than the Battle of France. I think my team gave up. We stayed on the roads and got strafed by Stukas the whole time. <laughs> so you It was really bad. We're the refugees on the road leaving Paris. It's a catastrophe. <laughs> you and our buddy Jay Devlin uh, are actually you have well you've both got champions who are out now, but Jay had Germany, you had France. You're not in last place. There are a few people who did even worse. Wow. Um, That's but, impressive. I think it's cuz uh, I had the Danes. Yeah, through this had, round, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you you kind of screwed up there. Uh, you have <laughs> ten possible points remaining in wow. the entire tournament. To be clear, uh, Kenny in first place has forty eight. Taylor in second has sixty two. Oh. So there's some inside edge there uh, for for Taylor. But again, you have ten. <laughs> so the most amount of points you'll finish with is sixteen. That's not going to do it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, hey, listen, it happens, man. Football's fucking weird. <laughs> our buddy Sturch, uh, one of the owners of Chosh Sports, is hanging out in mid-table, but he's got 60 points possible remaining. And and that's the thing, it it, it multiplies. It's very the same thing as March Madness, right? It yeah. multiplies uh, round over round. Yeah. So each win you get from here on out is worth 2x what it was right, in the last right. round. So it's, it's you can like, make up it's lost like ground. the money in the Champions League for the big teams. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you can make up lost ground in a hurry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. If, it's, you it's, if you have the final, you're, you're, you're gold. It's shaping up to be a lot of fun. The Belgium-Italy game, like I mentioned, we'll talk about later in the show, the is decider. going to really separate the men from the Laurents in this <laughs> in this bracket challenge. So it's it's been fun to watch so far. If you're in the Speaking Bum Time Facebook group, which I obviously have been talking all about, um, you need to uh, you need to check out that we've been every game. I've been putting screenshots in of who's got what team. Uh, now it used to be for the, for the round of 16, everybody had some say in the matter, but now people will not be rooting for either side if they had France to win it uh, between Spain and Switzerland. So, uh, but we're very in the lead, right? There yeah, the was a tremendously earth shattering, important game and, important, and social but not event. particularly good. No, but it was an important social psychological. Event yeah. That happened in London. On Tuesday, we talked. We spoke to you last uh, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. England faced off with their oldest nemesis, the Germans, at Wembley. The bombs mm -hmm. were flying, the Germans were fleeing. 
talk to us a little bit about your take from that match. How did they go about avenging Gareth Southgate's miss in your <laughs> so, so the first thing was the lineup was petrifying. No Foden, no Grealish, no Mount. Uh, he went with Rice and uh, and the and the Leeds midfielder, um, Phillips. Is that his name? Phillips. Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. So and a double stayed, pivot with five stayed at defensive, the back. but then the three at the back with with Kyle Walker in defense with uh, with uh, Slabhead and and Stones. So the, the five at the back, and then the Slab two head. wing backs in in um, with uh, your your boy Trippier and Shaw. So it was super defensive, and at first I was just like, "This is bad." And at first it looked bad because Germany was really popping the ball around for the first 10 or 15 minutes as England got their footing, trying to control things. Um, Southgate took a risk putting rice in with a yellow card, which was dangerous. Cause if you miss a game and we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up as we go into the other previews of players, miss games, two yellows, you're gone. Not normally you're at gone of a game, but even within this context, two yellows and back-to-back games, uh, you're gone. I was nervous. Uh, you know, we all kind of secretly support England in a weird way because of our affiliation with the Premier League. And I had a, an English girlfriend and a, a, a admittedly Anglophile person. So I knew the history. I, I was in London during Euro 96. Like, I know what this meant. <laughs> yeah. I watched it live in 96 uh, on TV, on the BBC. So I had a good sense of the historical importance of this game. But England started popping things around, got control of the game. And I think that that was Southgate's intention was to lock this game up and really be like, we got this. We've got better players. And when I picked up the game in the second half, I just saw England dominating more than anything. Aside from this, like we said, the the Sterling mistake and a couple of massive saves from, from Pickford, especially the Havertz one. But Havertz, that was not a... The Havertz attempt that was sort of early in the second half, late late in the first half, was um was really hard and an incredible piece of skill. He volleyed volley. it from yeah. just inside the box, and I mean it's a laser beam uh, that Pickford pounces up and and stops. Thankfully, it, it was right at him. I mean, he still had to make a save, right? It, but it may have hit the post because it was still going up. I think that's going bar down, but yeah, right. It could have um, gone bar down or like off the off his back or something like that. Right, right, right. But it was an amazing piece of skill and a better save. So. You know, England can't feel would have been hard done by like, God damn it, that's a good fucking goal. Uh, but uh, but Pickford saved it. And then again, Raheem Sterling had who had been really bossing the game made that huge mistake back pass. I think. Well, let's let's slow it down a little bit, right? Because you, there was the vert save, which was important. But mm. Werner gets loose earlier in the first half. I don't know where you you picked up the game, right? But like, yeah, no, no, I I do remember that. But I was like, having been with City, Stones had him. No, Werner was gone. He he was down the left, and he gets a free look at at um, Pickford, and he makes a really good save on the ground. And right there, right. And granted, how many times have we said on Bro- this show, oh, Timo Werner misses a big chance. Um, he put it on target. That's the only difference. Like. He, I was not worried. I saw that. I was not worried. I was like, Stones has got him. He put a lot of pressure on him. And Werner is has a player with no confidence. He wasn't shot that hard. It was. And I think no, Pickford it, had it. Yeah, I thought it was a good save by by. Uh, I mean, it was an important. But to win big games, you need big saves. Of so. course. And so yeah. I I saw it a little differently. I I didn't think England really settled into their shape until I don't know midway through the second half. And the reason I think that, and I mentioned, I shouted out our buddy, Kenny, uh, he and I were talking during the game. Uh, he is also a Spurs supporter. He is also a loyal, loyal Harry Kane defender as am I. Um, and all of the talk, the whole tournament, right. Was Kane's doing nothing. Kane can't, he's tired and he's, he needs a rest and all of the tropes that like, he's not a, a tremendous athlete and frankly, a horse person. Right. Um, if you've ever heard him talk, right. Okay. Good. There you go. There's that joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got, three touches in the first half and the problem that, and actually and Kenny sent me a picture and it was England with the ball in possession in their own, basically coming out of their own third. There were eight players in frame uh, more or less flirting around the edge of their 18. Nobody. And there were three players ahead. It was Sterling um, Sterling Kane and I'm um, and Saka uh, who by the way was quite good in a limited role. Um, 
I just, there was no bridge, right? You had two holding midfielders who were quite literally holding down, right? Five in front, five feet in front of the back line. There was no ability to ping the ball up to anybody. It was a very strange way to kind of go about the game. And then as you started to slowly see Trippier and, and uh, Walker get a little more forward, you had a little bit more of that bridge. Mm. Right? And it took them, I thought, it took them 55, 60 minutes to be able to get there. There's a, It really is. It's a, it's a pretty striking image of eight England players almost behind the ball with possession. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, how is King supposed to do anything? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that was the intention. I mean, you know, Sterling did have a shot early and I, you know, and, and McGuire had a couple of headed shots off dead ball and alive. So once it got past 15 minutes, I thought England was okay. And then in the 48th minute in the second half is the, is the Havertz shot. Um, And then the big change, our man, the most handsome man in the world, Mr. Grealish comes on for everything. Saka. It did everything. Fucking. it, It may have been, they were tired. It may have been whatever. Uh, I think the the Jack Grealish is really fucking good at facilitating, but, but just going back a minute, the thing that made Germany look good was Portugal playing four at the back and Semedo and Pepe getting lit up and Southgate recognized. I am not letting this happen. He matched formations to stop that supply from Goosens and Kimmich and they didn't do anything. Right. That's right. Right. So he kept them pinned back and he was happy to control the game. I think I'm going to give Southgate credit because I haven't been. I think he planned it this way. He was like, we're going to do this until this point, then bring Grealish on and they're not going to be ready to handle it because Grealish is a guy that maybe you don't want them to see. You want it to be fresh. You want it to be a change of pace. He comes on in the 69th minute. It's not a coincidence. Six minutes later, the combination between Grealish and Shaw and Kane to Sterling, boom, a goal's in. Well, and Sterling starts that play, right? Uh, I the think... run he makes with the ball is incredible. Yeah, and so it was basically Sterling starts the play, it goes out wide, and Sterling finishes the play. It was magnificent. And so, I mean, there's just, as much as I can give him shit, that entire goal was completely built around his play, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the couple dinging a couple passes around, but it's literally, he, it's almost as if it was like something Jordan would do where it's like, Hey, here's the ball. Give it back to me in four seconds. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And then I think from that moment on, once, once, once England got the goal and it was a long way to go. I mean, it was in a 75th minute, it became a party. And I thought England were on top of the game and Until. then, and then 11 minutes later, the same kind of movement, boom, boom. They're passing the ball around Shaw to Grealish to Kane see, gets on it. And it's really, really good. Again. I don't see it as much. It was, it was elation. You could feel Wembley breathe, right? A sigh of relief. And it was like, okay, we're up one nil. Oh fuck. There's 15 minutes left. Right. So I don't know that it was a party just yet. And I know well, that you, there is one more. There's the, there's the Thomas, the, the, right. the, the Mueller play. Yeah. So, as much as I can give Sterling all the praise as I just did a moment ago, they're pinging the ball around uh, just past midfield and Sterling sort of just has a brain fart and he passes it back to where he thinks, I I think it was probably rice that he was looking for. And the ball just goes errant and Thomas Mueller, one of the most clinical finishers, If they had an inglorious bastards for the German national team, Thomas Mueller would have been the main character. Okay. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's the guy clinical. He's, he's about the, as Germany as Germany gets yes. in terms of being German. Yes. <laughs> and so he gets on a clean break from what? 35, 40 yards. And you're just sitting there going, Oh God, not like that. Not the like thing, that. The thing that's funny about that. And I think maybe it was an interview. It was, it was uh Raphael Honigstein. Who's the, the English speaking German who basically is the, the German correspondent for these sort of blogs. He's on, he's on like CBS's coverage of the champions league. They have him on a lot. He's well-known journalist. He actually said something that was really interesting. He was like, Thomas Miller has never scored a goal like that where he has to break away and shoot his whole thing. Being with Bayern Munich is he's a, a, he's a guy who moves around in boxes and does weird things and does a flick and just, he gets on the end of things, but he's not a, breakout in space finisher 
he basically never has to do that because he that never happens to Bayern. Right. <laughs> right? Right. right. He's the guy before that ball, right? He's the guy who makes that pass to Lewandowski. He's the guy that makes that pass right. to Sane. So it's not that weird that he missed it, considering you he's probably broken in on goal from 40 yards out three times in his career. Okay. <laughs> However, he should have finished uh, it. I'll give you that. <laughs> However, he's one of the most clinical players in German history. Yeah. And here he is at Wembley with a chance to bring the house right back down yeah. five minutes after Sterling goes ahead. Yeah. Uh, and the weird thing is that he sort of veered a little bit right and everybody and their mother goes, well, he's going to curl it around Pickford. And he dragged it, which I thought was his first mistake, right? Like you just go where, go the, with your grain. The other piece is Kyle Walker is moving. He's behind sure all of them. He's behind he's behind Muller, he's behind uh Stones and he catches him and I and I think you know, Oh, like, he didn't catch him, but he put a, he, he applied he, a little bit. There was a little pressure. Enough, enough. I don't know. Sure. sure. Because you know, he wasn't he, did, he definitely Muller didn't have time to go around him. No. No. He and shot so, from he shot from 15 yards. He drags it wide. Uh, and that's when you could go literally everybody in Wembley went from, are you fucking, are you, are you shitting me right now? That, that, are you kidding? He missed that. He missed that. Like it would the, the incredulousness. I saw reactions of both English fans and German fans when that ball rolled wide and the German fans reacted how you would just completely distraught. And England fans were like, like closing their eyes, waiting for the bullet to hit them. And they opened them. They're like, what? Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right. And then, yeah, I mean, it was, they got lucky. They got lucky. Oh, and goodness. then that would have brought them level. So they would have had a shot, but I think like the mood would have been crushing. And then they took that, uh, that feeling. It's like a V it was like a VAR let off. Oh, yes. That's right? exactly what it probably was like only better. Cause you got to, you didn't have to wait for a referee to point. You got to see it in real time. And then right. and a then minutes later, and then came friend, another good move. Right. Our friend, Harry Kane uh, is on the end of a great ball in from Grealish. Uh, which was symbolic in a hundred different ways, both for him, for the country, for the team. Uh, then it was party time, right? Um, and by the way, not an easy ball to head in the net. I just want to go ahead. No, and no, say no. It. It was, he leaned backwards. It was a really good header. A yeah. really good finish by Kane. And then, and, uh, uh, you know, um, Germany had two more shots from Goretzka at the end of the game, nothing on target, and they just saw it out. And it was pure elation, pure Englishness. It was a cathartic kind of thing that, you know, it's it's it it's two wars it's 1966 it's losing in euro in in italy 90 on penalties that it's then it's it's losing in 96 on penalties gareth southgate literally after they win the game pointing to his goalkeeper from that team in 96 and saying you know how much it how much he felt the guilt it was like i hope that you guys can forget what happened back then and we have a new memory, yeah. right? The guy's been carrying it around for fucking 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. That's just brutal to think and, about. Like, uh, I just think about all the different players. Like, I think I've heard Steven Gerrard talk about the slip. He's like, it never goes away, ever. I just have it and it'll never go away. Even with, I think even with Liverpool winning the league, it won't go away, right? No, because he, he didn't is, win it. Right. Right. He just he, has the it. only way it could go away is if he wins it as a manager with them. But yeah, um, that's a long way away. <laughs> it's a long way away. It's probably two years away. Well, at least from <laughs> him getting the job. But uh, yeah, it's um, the one thing that I took from this. And, and we mentioned the party like atmosphere when Kane scored the second. And it was it was genuinely um, just so cool. It was great. It was just it was just true. And uh, Kane is being asked a few questions in the post game, and his like he's kind of starstruck and looking around, and he, his voice cracks, and he's like he's almost gonna cry because like the, the 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 captain of England finally breaks his duck. Uh, you know what? You get him service. He's gonna put the fucking ball in the net, folks. And he, so he does. It's the it's the the icing on the cake of the the most meaningful win in England's history since night on since 1966 probably because they've been bad like mostly yeah. bad yeah yeah they so, have missed world cups like but it's you think it's, it's bad home. when we missed the world cup they've missed world cups 
It's at home. It's at Wembley. It's it's half full. So there's still 45,000 people there. Uh, and by the way, that's something we've touched on over the course of the last few months, but it should not be understated. We've been spoiled here in the U S that we've opened up and had fans back in the stands a lot more. 45,000 people at Wembley stadium is a huge fucking deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for this game, right. So, uh, wild, wild scenes. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, we're, we're not going to go too deep into it, but I watched, I shared with Mike a video from uh, Russell brand, you know, he's flaky kind of comedian guru guy, whatever. He was probably more famous in this country for marrying Katy Perry was in some movies in the 2010. He did about a 15 minute video on sort of like, the absurdity of sport and why it it's the most important thing that means nothing, but he really tries to capture it. And I think for England, it's this weird catharsis. It's it's we're, we're in a shared lockdown and then have a shared release and all the, all the meanings of Germany, England, all that stuff is deep. It's real. It's rooted. And we don't have ways to express these things and they come out through sport. I think if, if I'm honest about this podcast, one of the things that I like to think about, aside from just the X's and O's and the what happened in this game and how to happen here is just the cultural pieces of it. And this game meant so much more than just England, Germany in a tournament. And don't let, if you're a fan of sport and you're a fan of England and you're just getting into soccer and you're starting to feel feels, don't let anybody fucking take that shit away from you. It's as important as seeing a fucking Picasso. It's as important as those, as being in an opera and crying. It's the same feeling, right? Don't let fucking snobby people tell you it's different. A goal to win a fucking tournament against a team that you think you're going to lose to all the time and always is as important as seeing fucking Pavarotti hit a high note and you cry. It's the same feeling. Why do we fucking cry at these weird things that don't mean anything? Shit, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. It's real. It matters. Like, I fucking cry when these games happen, when you cheer with other people, it matters. So get involved in this shit because it's going to get more and more and more intense and serious and find someone. If you're not into it, find someone, you know, who is into it and see the game through what they see. Cause they're going to need you <laughs> right. Win or lose. They're going to need you. They're going to want to grab you and be like, you don't understand what this means to me. Or I'm so sad. My team lost. Find someone from Italy, find someone from Sweden, find a Ukrainian friend who's third generation, a Spaniard, someone from Belgium. There are no Belgians. They fuck, their country's too nice. They stay there. Uh, or, or find a Dane who's like fucking feeling it or in Minnesota. I don't know. Find someone and, and experience it with them because these games don't happen all the time and they're why this stuff matters. Wow. I think I, I got to stop the show. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, I, 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 I want so badly to disagree with you because I just enjoy disagreeing with you, but that was perfect. <laughs> that was a hundred percent, you know, and, and it's true of this tournament. It's more true of this tournament than most. Yeah. Um, and especially because it's England. They have shared, it's Europe. These countries right. have shared history with each other for fucking 3000 years. There's yeah. blood in the streets for all these things. And they've been living this shit out through football since world war two. Weirdly. I mean, yeah. it's because they don't, fight anymore uh, some serbs and uh, a little crimea but but otherwise everything's fine <laughs> <laughs> speaking of war-torn countries let's go to sweden ukraine yeah ukraine they're, they're see this is another one they're feeling it too like they're feeling their country fucking it's occupied let's not lie it has been occupied by russia they don't yeah. feel connected to russia anyway right. they're playing as an occupied country well they're and they're playing as a hell of an underdog against sweden who by the way won group c yeah. A, a group and, and we're my finals team <laughs> and we're your finals team here's the here's the ironic thing about this game ukraine only had three points they needed badly sweden to help them out to even get into the round of 16 and the sweden back and forth game with poland right they were up two nil they tie yeah. it and then sweden yeah. wins it without that last goal for sweden ukraine's watching it on the couch so <laughs> yeah. really really interesting matchup um, it's a first place in the group versus a third place. This was never billed going into the tournament as Sweden, Ukraine. This was likely going to be Spain, Ukraine or Belgium, Ukraine, right? Yeah. So this was probably going to be one of the softer landing spots. You would expect, uh, a team to, to really pretty much take care of business. Right. And, and I'm, you clearly did. Cause you had Sweden winning. Well, uh, to be fair, I think, you know, I did too. 
I don't. Let's see. Let's go to the. Although, although to, to be the, fair, the the um, there is a red card, but the red card is late. No, that's late. That's late. Yeah. That's an extra time. Yeah, I thought I was really disappointed. I thought that Sweden really didn't attack well. Um, your friend Ali Moreno made the point about Alexander Isak. He's their young striker. He kept playing sort of small. He kept yeah. playing as a ten and trying to come to the ball when. Sweden have that guy. His name is Emil Fersberg and he's fucking awesome. And I yeah. called him out before this. He needed to be running in behind and stretching uh, the Ukrainians. So the Ukrainians got to do what they wanted to do, which was sit in front of the ball. They got their early lead on our guy, Yarmolenko to Zinchenko. A word the two though, best players. A word on, yeah, a word on that goal because it's a good was, goal. That was a great goal. And it was yeah. so it's two players from the Premier League amongst basically bringing up uh, the rear of, of Ukraine, which is just frankly, not up, you know, up to that level. Um, but yeah, Yarmolenko again, has had a phenomenal tournament. Um, he sort of flicks it from one side, one corner of the, the 18 yard box to the other. And Zinchenko hammers, I mean, hammers a volley in first time. Um, that was an awesome goal <laughs> and Sweden. It was weird because Sweden then, I mean, they got all of the ball. Yeah. Um, Forsberg scores just before half on a, a sort of a fortuitous bounce, but the goal was coming. So, I yeah. mean, you can't really write home too much about that. Um, and then the second half was kind of frenetic for a while. Um, Yarmolenko hits a post early. Forsberg hits the post twice. It literally, it could have just been them two against each other with goaltenders at that point, right? Like yeah. there was nobody yeah. else on the field. We talked about how Isak was kind of invisible and he was, um, and it's weird because he's this he's this slender, tall, strong guy. And he just seemed so uninterested or tentative or afraid. He played like a Spaniard. Where yeah, he no, he did. He did. Um, <laughs> he kind of took that ethos of, you know, sort of coming deep, turning, playing versus what we need, what 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 the game called for, which was power and stretching. Right. He needed to channel his Lukaku, not his Morata. Yep. And so. <laughs> Forsberg hits the post for the second time, right around the 80th minute or so. Yeah. And it, everybody's out of gas at that. They point. are. They, it, yeah. And then it, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Honestly, the game bleeds out. Uh, they go to extra time. There was a red card, as you mentioned. I don't know who it was specifically. I, ha I have to look it up. Danielson. Uh, Thank you. It's, it doesn't look bad until you see the replay and you're yeah, like, and then you're like, that, that was bad. Fucking leg. Uh, it had, had the guy who got hit had his studs took for a minute he would have been hurt really bad so oh, yeah. high it was a almost just beneath the knee uh high on the on the calf it was pretty gnarly so once once sweden went down to 10 they they really lost all their impetus berg came on to try and score something after isak came on but it, you knew that they, they were both playing for penalties but but someone didn't read the script and zinchenko puts through Dovbyk and he finishes and it's in the last minute. It's literally the 120th minute when guys are literally minute. standing around just like, is this, can we just not yeah, take can this we blow anymore? Whistle, please? Yeah. And, great. Uh, they were and he, just, man and he for... just, uh, it slots at home and that's it. And Ukraine steal one. Yeah. It's, I mean, like I said, it was a great game for 80 minutes and then just everybody, the, the tanks were on E and they were shot. Yeah. Um, Especially, it was honestly the last 40 minutes were kind of hard to watch, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. normal. That's that, that is so, so just for the neutrals in these knockout games, they go to two 15 minute times and they in general are poor, especially depending on the intensity of the game. Uh, we did not get that in Spain, uh, in Spain, Croatia, where things went fucking bonkers right. <laughs> after extra time or, uh, but, but it, they but tend, France, Switzerland was a little bit tentative as well. Yeah, they tend to peter out because the guys are exhausted. And even oh. though they do have five subs uh, allowed, you can kind of change your team. But well, six with on, extra time, you get the extra one. Right. But it's I think it's a philosophy, right? You 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 basically play not to lose. You play in most cases, especially yeah. if you're Ukraine, you're up a man, and and you're still kind of playing like. Yeah, let's not fuck this up, guys. We kind of <laughs> yeah, let's 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 get this. They, this did, they did get it done in the end, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's sometimes, and and we saw it in Spain and and um, Croatia. You know, there is an early goal, and when that happens, 
buckle up because then you've got ticky tack all over the place because the other team, as I mentioned on the last show, you know, they have to go get a, a tying goal. And then what happens usually is the other team hits them back for another. Um, but if there's not a, if there's not a, um, you know, an early one, it sort of just slowly bleeds out. So it's what you get, but we're going to have England and we're going to have Ukraine who are, we'll talk about it in a second, uh, eerily similar to maybe an Iceland team from 2016. Mm-hmm. But first, but first, we want to take care of paying some bills here and do a little live read, courtesy of the Chop Sports Podcast Network. Speaking of saving money on our bills, our friend Joe at Attitude of Gratitude Consulting is a very unique way to save you plenty of cash on your monthly bills. Do us a favor, please visit attitudeofgratitudeconsulting.com. That's www.attitudeofgratitudeconsulting.com for more information. We like to snack over here at the Squeaky Bum Time podcast. And man, we just received our shipment of some of the seasonings that Sunflower Meadow Seasoning has sent us. They even have a brand new cheddar beer dip exclusively made for the Chop Sports Network. It's delicious. You have to try it. Mention Chop Sports when you talk to Jess and save some money. Visit sunflowermeadowseasonings.com for their entire lineup of products. I have seen their website. It's incredible. They're at your local fairs in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Get some of their stuff and really enjoy it at sunflowermeadowseasonings.com. And let's get back to it. Yeah. And so, you know, in the last Euro um, tournament in 2016, England walked into the round of 16 feeling pretty good about their draw. (laughs) And they were tasked with getting past an upstart Iceland team who had since become the darlings of the tournament with their skull clap and their Gilfie Sigurdsson and everything. Right. Um, they blew it. They lost. Right. Yeah. Um, that team I, was coached by Roy Hodgson. Let's see. It was a Roy Hodgson team. They had Harry Kane on free kicks. They were questionable decision makers all across the pitch at best. I do think that this team is different. And I do think that the, the world cup in 2018 kind of was like, all right, we fucked that one up. Let's, but, but the, the run they went, they made in 2018 sort of put that to bed, but it, it should be said that the Ukraine matchup in Rome on Saturday, I believe um, it smacks a little bit of it. What do you think? I think it, there is some danger there. I mean, as a, as an England fan, and I'm sure every English person is feeling this since France is out. They've got to be nervous. They don't, they're kind of like of, of the national sides. They're the tip. They're the most typical city. It's like typical England. So these are feelings that I understand. (laughs) Like, even though my team's incredible and they win all the time, I still think they're going to lose. Like you just feel like England could fuck it up and you have to, until they don't, you think they will. Right. Right. It's almost, it's Spursy Spursiness. It's, it's, yeah. And I think, you know what, to be fair, most people feel that way about their team, except asshole fans like United and Liverpool who feel, and, 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 um, and, and Real Madrid who feel very entitled to win everything. Right. Uh, But really, most people's teams are like, we're going to fuck this up until we don't. And that's why when you win, it feels so fucking amazing because you're like, I thought we were going to lose until, that whistle blew. Right. <laughs> and I right. think, uh, I think for England, there's a sense of just massive euphoria and it's going to be difficult to calm down, pull themselves back together and take on a Ukraine team that will, that is playing with house money. They don't give a shit right now. No. Um, and and football is weird. One, weird shit can happen. There's one advantage. Ironically, I think that that plays to England's hand. This game won't be at Wembley stadium. Maybe the first game it's of the a tournament. Good thing. Yeah, it's the first game of the tournament. They will be leaving London to play in. The fans cannot travel, too, because of COVID restrictions. Because of COVID restrictions. Um, I see that as something that, and I I mentioned it when we were chatting off air, um, I was hoping that Gareth Southgate would get them the fuck out of England the day after the Germany game, right? Um, Settle in Italy, settle in Rome, get comfortable with the surroundings, have have a training session, light training session, but walk through and all that stuff. Get your like listen, your your Germany win is going to be remembered regardless of what happens next. Yeah. But if you want that to be the memory and not everything else that you hope to accomplish, yeah, you need to put it behind you immediately. So I do think that if they were in Wembley again, if the fans were there again, there would be 
a party-ish hangover atmosphere to start that Ukraine game and they can get smacked. So getting away from all of that, I think I don't read a lot into intangibles like that, but in this case, I no, think in these, helps, in these things, helps their mindset. And because, you know, we're going to get into Czech Republic and Denmark and all these other teams that are carrying, every team is at this point carrying emotions, right? You, 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 you have the talent, but I think one of the things I've noticed about this tournament is there are teams that are winning on emotion. There are teams that are winning on history. And at this level, sometimes the talent is not the most important thing, right? It's, it's fight, it's spirit. It's what can you bring to the table? Um, you know, when we think about, we think about Denmark carrying, carrying, you know, Ericsson with them everywhere they go. Uh, it's shown in their sharpness for sure, but they're definitely carrying Ericsson with them and against the Czech Republic that we talked about a team that plays on spirit in terms of organization uh, and, and their best players. What we're see, what we see at these levels is yes, the players aren't as good as a group, but when you think about someone like Ukraine, they're just going to play through Yarmolenko. And if city city, and Zinchenko on the other look side. at, look at me calling England city. And if England don't <laughs> sort of sick their best defender on him and be like, mark him sit on him don't let him do anything he's going to cut inside and he will try and shoot with his howitzer left foot and he might get hurt if you push him he'll get injured because that's what he does but you know david Moyes was tired of him but the ukraine is not tired of him no the ukraine will never tire of him he'll just keep shooting and they have a big strong center forward and they have alex Senchenko from city who's a very very talented player who can mess you up but city have but they have three and England have 20 guys sure. who can do that. Right. So, um, but I think that's, that's a good point, right? I would put Declan Rice on him. You go where he goes. Yeah. Don't, don't sit back. Don't you go would, where he goes. I would put Phillips. He's just much. More I was going to say Phillips just as much, right? Like either yeah. one. And then for Southgate, don't change it. Just run it back. Right. Sure. Run it back, run it back. Right, because I mean, the same way that Gozins was the guy for Germany, it is Zinchenko for for Ukraine, and they're sticking him at left back still. So those things are things. But, but we he's do have moving forward. We do have super duper heavyweight uh, matchups oh. coming up tomorrow. Uh, Belgium, Italy, I think is probably the biggest one. Belgium comes into this game limping, no Hazard, maybe KDB definitely out after another ankle injury. Starting, I believe Hazard is out. Starting to get me worried that he keeps getting injured on his ankles. Uh, no. Not a good thing. Uh, so I, Bel- by the way, a note on KDB. I did not realize this. And it's given me pause on City's pursuit of Jack Grealish. Now, we have not really talked about the transfer market. We're not going to until the end of the Euros. But KDB turned 30 the yeah, other day. I know. He's not a kid. I didn't realize that. I thought he was like 27, 28. No, he's no, older no, no. than that. Yeah. I mean, so he's, been at, he's been at City since 16. So it's been a minute. Um, yeah. And depth is starting to be an issue for Belgium. Uh, they have guys going down. Uh, I think this is a big moment for Lukaku. Um, he has been their best player. Uh, every, other players have had moments, but this group is now getting old. Like they were a golden generation. And yesterday or two days ago was the anniversary of the, of the Tim Howard game. Uh, uh, <laughs> moments of glory. Uh, uh, the 16th saver against Belgium. And that's already uh, seven years, right? So if these guys damn were Damn you, Chris Wondolowski, you motherfucker. Yeah, you, fucker, you loser from Chico. Um, you know, <laughs> but that's the depth of the US, right? I gotta do that to me. But no, because Belgium, to illustrate, you know, they were guys, right. it's seven years on and football life is short. Like they were mm-hmm. young at 23, seven years ago. Oh, it's a golden generation. Yeah, now KDB is 30. And Aldeveroid's 34, and Vermalen is 36, and Vertongen is 33. Like, that's their defense. So They're in their I, 30s. I'm going back to look at how they lined up against Russia because that was without both Hazard or, or Eden Hazard, the worst yeah. Hazard, and KDB, right? And they played a 4 3 3. They had Boyata centering Vertongen and Toby. Uh, they had Timothy Castagna, great season for Leicester. I'm glad to see him back on his feet because he got hurt towards the end. Yeah. Then Donker and Tielemans in the middle. Thorgan Hazard, the good Hazard, on the on the left. Um, right, but he's not a fucking back. <laughs> no, no, no. He, well, he's, no, it was a 3-4-3, three, three, right? So yeah. he was sort of in the midfield. Yeah. Um, and then Mertens, Lukaku, and Carrasco against the Russia team that gave them the game. Well, what the about, you, what about the, Portugal, the Portugal game is what you want to talk about. Well, no, because they were they were without both of them for uh for for this game they had kdb and they had um 
you know, um, against Italy, they may, they may play in this sort of three at the that's, back. Kind that's of. why I'm looking at this, this yeah. formation, right? Yeah. I, um, I don't know how they'll play. I don't either, but I'm just looking at the personnel that they would be picking from, right? Like, I mean, really, they still have Witzel and yeah, Helaman's yeah. we know will be there for sure. Of course, um, I think Witzel comes in for Dendonker. Um, they played yeah. Vermalen in a three, and he kicked fucking Ronaldo's ass. You know what? Another thing pocket. you could do. Another thing, you but could they do, are it's old. Not, it's not the worst thing you know you could do here. You could put Chadley up front with with. Um, with Benteke, I'm excuse me, with uh, Lukaku. with Lukaku, yeah, and a four four two. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying like it is an option. And when you're looking at, frankly, playing down your two best players, uh, there are no good options. I, I I think the thing that's interesting is we know that Mancini, sorry, that uh, Martinez is not a pragmatic guy. He's gonna want to attack. That's what he comes from. That's what he always did. He would always give up goals. Uh, that performance against Portugal was poor, but they did get the goal from Hazard. I I just think it's it's a moment. It's going to be on talent, and the best player on the field is Romelu Lukaku, and he's got to either make something happen by running with power, or if Belgian resorts to putting the ball up in the air, he's got to hold it up and let those windfielders get to him. If Mertens yep. is going to play, and he's got to lead the line and really be the guy. I think this is one of those moments where. The best player on the on both teams is Lukaku, and he has to be the difference. Yeah, because I agree. The Italian team has depth. They don't have a Lukaku, but they have a bunch of dudes, and it's hard to even know. Like I know it sounds funny, but they have the Italian names with the O's and a Batazzi, but like I don't even know who any of them are, but they're good as a group. And I know that Mancini is a really good coach, but he will play defensive. One of the things I remember from his city days is one of the things he would do. And he did that in the, in the game against, um, was, who did they play? Switzerland? No. In this round who? of 16, Italy. Italy? Austria. Austria. In the game against Austria. Sure. Yeah. Worth. The Onathovich game is he waited till the 86th minute to bring on Keza who immediately changed the game. He used to do that with Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre used to play at the base of the midfield in a holding role. And mm-hmm. when city were behind and the game was drawn late in the game in like the 80th minute, He'd bring on someone to do to become the holder and be like, yeah, yeah, go win us the game, play at the ten. So then he would play up. He would play up with Silva, right? And that was always really frustrating. I'm like, just play Yaya up top. He's he's not yeah. a fucking holding midfielder anymore. He's lazy. He doesn't want to run anymore. He wants yeah. to just shoot and be insane. And that's what happened when Pellegrini came in. He was like, yeah, yeah, you play up front and let's get this final W. Um, I know he's not pragmatic, but I and 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 I wonder how many long balls Toby. I've seen it a million times. Oh, he's such a good passer from back He's there. such a good long hey, man, ball Vertong- passer. The Vertonghen too. Vertonghen too, but Toby's better at it. Yeah. And he would always have a player running off the back shoulder. If that's Lukaku and they sync up on that, that's a goal. That's going to happen. Yeah, but the thing, those, for those to work though, the the fullbacks have to kind of be shifted inside. It's got to no, be like I, this, I, I, diagonal, I this double diagonal thing where you where I'm people not are saying, running in the other direction to, to give I'm not space. Saying, I, Again, in lieu of yeah. Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard not be coming through that door, you yeah. go, okay. And and believe me, I've seen it a million times with Spurs when, you know, all these players are hurt. And it's yeah. like, okay, just even when Kane's hurt, it's like, all right, ping out fucking long balls to Sonny and see what we can do. And you know what? He drops him on a dime. The yeah. reason that Deli Ali broke out years ago is because he had like five goals in like two months that were right off of Toby Alderweireld's foot from 70 yards away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, and this is not to speak ill of Deli, but like those were incredible assists that just, yeah. and that's by the way, I don't know if he, quick, does he have that anymore? Toby with the, the pass. Oh yeah. Okay. He, he lost the speed, but he's never lost that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, and then on, on the, on the Italy side, it's, it's can they bring that swashbuckling play from the group stage? They were pretty bad in the round of 16 and Austria probably should have won that game three inches offside for on yeah. and Italy's gone. They, Look, scored I think, their goal, they scored their goals in extra time. So I think a full strength Belgium ha- handles has it no, Italy has no easily. problem with Italy. Yes. Quite easily. And the, the other pieces, this Italy team is young. They are coming together quickly. They have not given up a goal in, in I think eight months, which is <laughs> since the last Olympics. This is but yeah. insane. But yeah, I mean, I this is a for our for our um 
pool, this is a make or breaker because oh, yeah. Belgium and Italy are two favorites still left. And then think- we have some people who are doing the Spain Swiss game, which is the other game tomorrow. Also interesting. No Shaka. He's on a yellow card suspension. That's Ooh. bad for the Swiss. That's tough. They stuff. need him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, their supply has come from Zuber. Uh, I know this sounds like they're fucking uh, Fraggle Rock. Uh, passing to Seferovic, uh, who's six foot three. And you know what? Spain's defense is not. So I'm curious as to how Spain will defend Zuber on the uh, as the fullback crossing the ball into Seferovic. Will they sort of get out there? I think the issue with Spain is they're so good on the ball. Swiss will sit on the ball, but they just beat fucking France. Like, and Spain is not better than France. <laughs> I mean, right? They took care of France. They came back frenetically two goals down in 10 minutes to go. So even if Spain have the lead and have the ball, do not count yeah, especially, out Switzerland here. Especially after I mean, the Croatians, Croatians did. did to them. Right. Yeah. So there is weakness within Spain. So I still don't ah. trust Morata. I still don't trust fundamentally the athleticism of the Spaniards. I don't know if Swiss the Swiss can exploit that. Seferovic has scored over 20 goals in two of the last three seasons in Portugal. He's six foot three. Uh, he doesn't even finish games. He's like a scores goals in less than 20 starts per season. So he's got a good strike rate. He's been scoring goals for the Swiss. And then Zuber is leading of all the players still available in the tournament. He's number one in assists. So those will be the two danger men to watch out for. And then for Spain, it's can they defend while keeping the ball? If they try and defend without the ball, they will get beat Mm -hmm. because they don't have the physicality to hang with these teams. They just don't have the players. It's just, it's not a, they're, they're, the reason why they had their golden generation is because they had a golden generation of six foot three defenders in Puyol, uh, uh, Ramos, oh. and and Pique, right? Javi Without, helped. He was five foot four. No, I know, right? but no, but those guys helped, right? But in terms of dealing with crosses and dealing with the shithousery of like we can't control the ball all the time, but when it comes, we need to be able to mm-hmm. be physical. And I think that piece of defense was a once in a lifetime thing. And that's what, where the Spaniards are right now. They fucking played Eric Garcia. He's five foot seven. Like you can't play him. He's going to get stomped, especially yeah. in a game of that's physical that the Swiss will want to. So I think the key thing to watch for is if the Swiss start fucking shit housing, that's a good sign for the it's Swiss. It's a good, for, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got four games. And I I mean, aside from England, Ukraine, which let's be clear, we talked about uh, it should go England's way. They should aside, beat them by five. Th- yeah, sure. Really? Aside from that game. It's all toss-ups. It's all toss-ups. And the, we'll touch quickly on the Czechs in Denmark. Um, uh, again, you talked, you touched on it. It's, it's togetherness. It's belief. It's both the, teams. This is like the heart bowl. Oh God, it's awesome. <laughs> it's just who, who, it's quite literally the the old football, uh, you know, who wants it more sort of thing. That's what we're going to be watching. And that's on Saturday. I believe that's the uh, the undercard on Saturday before England, Ukraine. Yes. Oh, God. This is going to be awesome. Uh, if you haven't bought into this tournament, well, you're not listening this deep into the show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be noon Eastern on Saturday and then Ukraine, England at 3 uh, Eastern. It's it's a tremendous few days of football. Uh, and then we come right back and Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be the semifinal. We'll obviously talk to you on Monday. Monday First of night, all, Tuesday, who the fucking idiots who goddamn scheduled this thing, give them a week off. So you have a good game. Who is a semifinal on a Tuesday? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. We, we need Americans to, run well, it's it. because they have this, the final on a Sunday, but yeah, I mean, what the fuck else is everybody doing? <laughs> I, I never you understand. Could, like the champions league final used to be on Wednesday nights. What are you doing? Oh God. Yeah. So you've got, okay. You've got a Monday and a Tuesday and then a Friday and a Saturday. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. Cause especially there was a lot of games around. That's fine. Uh, you, then you could have had, yeah, Tuesday, right? So the, the, the winners of the Friday games play on Tuesday, the winners of the Saturday games play on Wednesday. You're right. Why is that not Friday, Saturday again? And then the next week, which would have been what the, the big build up to the final. Like it's the Super Bowl. It we is talked the Super about Bowl. This. 
Well, no, we talked about this during the Champions League final. Where the, where's all the coverage? Where's the where's the Pep's you know uh, human interest story? I agree. Yeah. I need to know everything about Alex Sinchenko having a baby and his wife. Yeah. yeah. Why do I not know that? They yeah. just don't get it. Like you could bring people in. It's so the funny. weird thing. The weird fucking thing is that they they completely understand like eighty percent of it, right? And the last 20% of the human interest, the, the auxiliary stuff, the, the extra things, the Zinchenko wife story, the Pep's mom story, the, you know, there's Harry Kane. And Going the, and back to your hometown, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just like, don't do it. Oh, it's brutal. You're going to have, let's, let's pretend for a second England gets there. You're going to have Thursday, Friday, set, three days of buildup before the, the European Championships at Wembley Stadium. And it's very possible, it's not likely that England gets there. Wouldn't that make sense to have 10 days of blown the fuck out media coverage to the point where everybody's like sitting? Oh my God. And here's the thing I have and the not game just please happen, you know? Yeah. But it's not for the people who are into it, it's for the people who are just sort of slowly dragged along. Well, the thing is, is that I don't know that that really exists, at least in England. I saw a ratings report that said this didn't include pubs or big halls that showed the game or whatever 27 million the ratings were 27 million people watched that in, game in England, England? there's 55 million people in the country <laughs> half the fucking and again that does not count fields with big fucking projectors that doesn't count pubs that doesn't I, count I, I think we have to put that into context half the country 150 million Americans do not watch the Super Bowl no it's not no. close. It's more like 40. I right. Think. Yeah. <laughs> and think about the size of the United States and the size of England, which, as you've said many times in the show, the size of is New York the, State is the size of New York State. So imagine 27 million people in this in the size, not even all that Buffalo bullshit, just straight yeah. up cut it off at the Pennsylvania line and yeah. go straight up to Poughkeepsie yeah. or wherever that is, uh, Plattsburgh. And, and you go, okay, that, and yeah, bring along Long Island. That's fine. Yeah. 27 million people in that stretch of land. It's a lot watching of Watching one thing at one time. And all the Scottish hating you and all the Welsh hating you in well, your country that they live that, in. That's Massachusetts. That's Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. And, it and is amazing. It is amazing. All right, Mike. I am going to wrap this thing up. Let's do it. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. The football wing of the Chop Sports Network. They released their website today. Really beautiful. Good job, guys. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please review the show so we can reach more crazy football fans like yourself. <laughs>